1: Welcome to the latest episode of Chillin' in the State House, everyone's favorite Kansas State Government and Politics podcast. My name is Andrew Ball, Statehouse reporter for the Topeka Capital Journal, and I'm joined as always by my colleague Jason Tidd. Jason, how are you doing?
2: Oh, doing well, because we got a decision sooner than anybody expected.
1: A decision on what?
2: The redistricting map or as our guest John Hanna of
0: the Associated Press would call it mapzilla mapzilla and and since this is chilling in the state house we should note that this year's uh, redistricting debate dispute contest was compared to two, 2012 pretty chill and that says a lot because The fight over the map
1: went all the way to the Kansas Supreme Court. Yes. As Jason alluded to, a little background, we have the map that was passed over the veto of Governor Laura Kelly. It divides Wyandotte County, takes part of Wyandotte County, keeps it in the third congressional district represented by Sharice Davids, the lone Democrat in Congress, takes the other part, puts it in the second congressional district represented by Jake LaTurner. And uh, Republican uh, in that district also includes, like, Topeka. does not include Lawrence, at least most of Lawrence, and not anymore. Uh, That is moved out of the second district and into the first congressional district, which is overwhelmingly Republican, runs all the way to the Colorado border. You can leave Lawrence and drive for five hours and still be in the first congressional district.
2: Except you will pass through the second on your way through Topeka.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, and this map was challenged
0: by three
1: different, three different lawsuits, uh, total of
0: 20 voters and loud light, the voting rights group.
1: Indeed. And basically arguing that this is partisan gerrymandering and that it dilutes the vote of racial minorities, particularly in that Kansas city metro area, a Wyandotte County judge agreed and basically said the legislature, you got to do it over again. And then, drumroll, please! It gets to the Kansas Supreme Court, and
0: never mind,
1: <laughs> never mind. Yes, it. Uh, uh, this Kansas Supreme Court opted to uphold the map. We don't really know why, because we haven't gotten a full opinion, which has been driving Jason and I
0: crazy. Well, and the only thing that Justice Caleb Stigall said in the two paragraph opinion issued was that the plaintiffs failed to prove their claim that the the map violated the state constitution. And uh, we don't know whether that's because the state constitution doesn't prohibit partisan gerry, overtly partisan gerrymandering or whether it does, but this map did not cross those lines. Uh, There there is some suspicion that because Justice Stegall's name is on the opinion for now, that it might be a finding that uh, the state constitution doesn't prohibit uh, overtly partisan gerrymandering. But, of course, we won't know that until we see the opinion. I I say that because uh, during the arguments Justice Stegall... Uh, had a question of basically how do you define partisan gerrymandering what does it look like how do you define it how is it clearly defined i the suggestion from those questions was that you can't and actually in 2019 that's what basically what the u.s supreme court said in deciding that the federal courts are not the place to handle complaints about partisan gerrymandering
1: well, this was a bit of a surprise, right, Jason, because the Kansas Supreme Court has been a fairly activist bench on other issues. Uh, just Or, or at
2: least that's how conservatives would characterize it. Well, I, it, I, mean, it, I think it, we, we, could, we can
1: objectively call it judicial activism, I feel like.
0: Well, I mean, OK, first of all, it depends whether that's on, good or bad, I don't Well,
1: y- is up to the listener. But I mean,
0: here's five of the seven justices were appointed by Democratic governors, including three by the current governor, Laura Kelly. Uh, One, uh, Chief Justice Marla Lukert was appointed by Bill Graves, a moderate Republican governor. And then the aforementioned Justice DeGaulle was appointed by Sam Brownback, a conservative Republican. And so there has been, particularly amongst conservatives, a widespread perception among them that this is a fairly liberal court. Um, And previously, this court Uh, has read into a part of Article 6 on education, uh, suitable provision for financing schools. They have read into uh, that A requirement for certain levels of funding to prepare students for the future and of course in 2019 boy 2019 seems a big year for court decisions now that I think about it in 2019 they took the same language that was cited here in the bill of rights that uh, people are possessed of equal and inalienable inalienable natural rights, among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that free governments are formed Uh, by the people to provide equal protection and benefits for all those two uh, statements in the constitution the court said that means that bodily autonomy is protected by those provisions and that means access to abortion is in their words a fundamental right so yes this was an interesting decision when you consider those two lines of decision, school funding and abortion, I guess I would I would call that judicial activism. I mean, I,
1: like the like the the scholarly definition of judicial activism, not the like politically loaded side of judicial activism.
0: Well, I, I'll I'll demur for now, but okay, the the up. point is that they were decisions that conservatives. Uh, strongly disliked um and they,
2: dislike so far as to try to change how justices are selected
0: exactly and so you looking at that the question was well the court that read this language and said it meant there the, that access to abortion is a fundamental right uh it was plausible to see that the same court would say that also means that people have a right to be protected from overly partisan gerrymandering. That's not what the court said. Um, And And so it's going to be interesting to see what their reasoning was. Well, and I think kind of an interesting point
1: to weigh is had the court ruled that the maps were gerrymandered and sent them back to the legislature – we now would set a precedent – Not uh, th- this would be a precedent-setting case either way because this has never – this matter has never been adjudicated before in the state courts. But had they set that precedent, they basically would have been uh, – for really forever or at least until the and what's interesting about that they would the court the courts would now become a part of the redistricting process every cycle
0: but and and the solicitor general brant lau who is appointed by attorney general Derek schmidt made that point and it was somewhat of a warning do you you know on the order if you really want to be doing this every 10 years but i would point out that Past solicitor generals made the same argument in school funding cases and in the abortion cases. And what's interesting is that the solicitor general who argued the abortion case for the state, Stephen McAllister, was actually representing plaintiffs in this—the lawsuit plaintiffs in this case. So that was was an interesting twist. But, yeah— This was unprecedented. This is actually, though, happening in a small but growing number of states, Pennsylvania, Florida, Ohio, uh, New York, Maryland. um, I'm sure there's one or two more where uh, people who want to challenge maps are turning to state courts instead of federal courts because, of course, the door is is closed in on many claims in federal court and Michael Lee with the, the Brennan center for justice and New York university school of law said Kansas potentially is the only place where the state courts have so far said, no, that the state constitution doesn't, uh, ban possibly doesn't ban political gerrymandering again we have to be careful here because we don't we haven't seen the opinions and the the very short uh opinion issued by justice stagall said basically nope they've lost and you know explanation to follow hinted that there uh, is at least one dissent and maybe an opinion that agrees with the result but not the reasoning well,
1: it, they had to move quickly because the legislators are coming back Monday, and they won't have as much to do now. But uh, the the stated purpose of of them coming back was to potentially pass new maps, and now I guess maybe override some vetoes and and head home. But
0: uh, well, and 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 as importantly. Um, The candidate filing deadline for congressional candidates and state House candidates, senators, are not on the ballot this year, is June 10th. Um, The Secretary of State's office moved it from June 1st to June 10th. And if I'm remembering correctly, in mid-June, maybe June 17th, the state has to send ballots out to military personnel overseas. So they were – they were on a pretty tight time frame. One one might speculate that it would argue for an earlier candidate filing deadline, but that's yeah. the legislature's prerogative, that, yeah. or
2: an earlier redistricting timeline.
0: Well, and what's interesting, the year of redistricting is set by the state constitution, at least for the legislature. It's the second year of the decade. Um, many many states actually did it last year or late last year um and yes that that kind of timing might be might, that, it might it might seem less of a rush uh toward the candidate filing deadline if if the legislature did it late the first year of the decade of course one of the issues with that was the the census numbers were delayed normally they're released in april and I believe we had to wait until september to get those that's true. Well, and
1: and candidate filing deadline, we know most of the candidates, but Jason, I think now that we know the maps we're operating under, this raises a lot of interesting questions for what's going to happen with Sharice Davids, uh, the lone Democrat in Congress.
2: Yeah, the, the way the map is drawn uh, definitely does not do her favors, but Republicans would argue that if voters turned out and voted for candidates in the same way they did last time around in 2020. Which is
0: not going to happen.
2: Right. But they would argue that she could have won that election with
0: these maps. I I mean, the 2022 midterms are going to be a significantly different election. That's not to say that Republicans are wrong. It's still possible that when you tease it all out, she can still win that district. But the, the fact is they took some areas where she has prevailed in past elections two to one, and swapped in a territory that Donald Trump carried in 2020 by an average of more than 40 percentage points. And we
1: should say that's the addition of Anderson Franklin and the entirety of Miami County yes. to that district, yes. which when and Miami, courts... a
0: slice of Miami County had been in the third. Right. Yeah. So not, you know, uh, that's why we have elections stuff can happen so we we're not going to know how it plots out for her until the campaign really gets going and what the issues are and where voters are and who's energized <laughs> and who's not it's just that the sense is that this year 2022 conservatives are really energized over um uh, culture war issues education um Transports, COVID, all of those issues. And Democrats are a little flat. Inflation is as high as it's been in 40 years. Um, and, and there's a sense that, that people generally are less happy than they were. And so that all suggests that Republicans could have a pretty good midterm election.
1: Well, and also of note, um, we'll have a little bit of, of kind of an interesting way of making the comparison because uh, Sharice Davids is running against the same opponent she ran against yes. in 2020, Amanda Atkins. Um, well, and also we are we are in Topeka as we speak, and we assume a lot of you are, are also in Topeka. Uh, the district arguably has even bigger ramifications for the second congressional district, which is now basically a lock to be a Republican stronghold for the next 10 years. Worth noting in the past, um, under different lines that that district has been
0: very competitive at times. It's even been held by a Democrat. So yeah, uh, as late as uh, 2008, I believe.
1: So, you know, that the, the map is a big win for Jake LaTurner, although he will no longer represent Lawrence and KU. Uh, So, you know, that, that could potentially have an impact as to kind of what his advocacy looks like in Washington. But.
2: And it could have an impact on KU uh, because Jake LaTurner was on a subcommittee for commerce that helps with uh, technology-related grants. So he could help steer some money for research at KU. And now Tracy Mann will be representing both K State and KU.
0: And there's an interesting discussion kind of going on beneath the surface among folks about whether eventually Republicans will come to regret putting Lawrence in the in the first district. What's interesting is Lawrence is now the largest city in the first district, significantly larger than any other. And the only one really close would be Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only one close would be Manhattan. So and that's also an interesting point because Manhattan also it's not quite as democratic or liberal as Lawrence, but it does lean that way. And so at what point you know, Manhattan, the Pottawatomie County area near Manhattan, fastest growing, Area of the state in the past 10 years, Lawrence is growing. Northeast Kansas is growing. Northwest Kansas, parts of western Kansas are not. They're losing population.
1: And the parts that are growing are Dodge City, Garden City, Mm -hmm. liberal areas, which are growing in part because, in entirety, because they're getting more diverse.
0: Yes. And so the issue there, the question there is, at what point does that tip the first district to being, I mean, it is like literally... Up to this point, for I want to say forty years, maybe longer, an incredibly safe Republican district. One of the most Republican. Yeah, probably in the one of the most Republicans and districts in the country. I mean, one Republicans never had to worry about. And um, take it from that situation, and maybe move it more toward first one Republicans ought to hold because they have a big advantage, and does eventually. Still, yet in my lifetime, does it become more competitive or not? That will be something interesting to watch.
2: And I mean, who knows? The the first district is traditionally rural, Republican, agrarian, has a seat on the House Agriculture Mm -hmm. Committee.
0: Unless you're Tim Hughes' cabinet. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's a deep, deep story. But
2: (laughs) what's the risk to. Republicans in the first district that maybe you could have a more moderate who appeals to the Manhattans and Lawrences and Salinas of the district uh, who doesn't necessarily
0: have the agriculture background who could potentially win a primary. Mm-hmm. That's that that is also a possibility out there. That on the Republican side, that's hard to see with the party where it is now. the The party is controlled and pretty heavily conservative Um, and especially if you take the traditional small government no tax anti-abortion conservatives and you meld them with sort of uh, the new definition of conservative pro-Trump that's where the party is so it would be hard to see at this point in time that a, a republican who doesn't fit that description winning that that primary and and, you know, Tracy Mann is not a fire eater, but he's also no moderate-slash-liberal. <laughs> oh, for Tracy Mann, this now adds
2: another city for his lengthy list of town halls when he's back in Kansas. Yeah, during the district. That,
0: there is a strong tradition in that district of the congressman going to every county... Uh, in the district and that's during a two-year period, that is a that I, I haven't counted them. It used to be like sixty-five. It's probably now like sixty-seven or sixty-eight. And you mentioned uh, Congressman Huels Camp, the uh, Tea Party conservative who held the seat before Roger Marshall beat him. Uh, got crossways with John Boehner as Speaker of the House, lost the Agriculture Committee seat. Very conservative. I don't think he would dispute that. And uh, he would go to – I remember going to watch him do forums in, like, Manhattan and and Emporia – and that people all his the the people who were irritated by him made a point of showing up and you know pointing and 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 arguing with him so i mean it, Roger Marshall one of his first town halls in Manhattan back when i was
2: in college uh he, i i think he was a little bit surprised at the level of uh the level of voters who
0: did not agree with his views. Well, and we should say that Lawrence is just Lawrence is just a whole different level of that. <laughs> the People's Republic. <laughs> the People's Republic. I mean, I, I jokingly would say it's like, you know, the vegan paradise uh you know <laughs> married to the largest feedlot cattle feedlots in Kansas the most woke place in the state with the most maga towns in the state so it's an interesting it's an interesting mix well looking uh, looking forward i think one one point i
1: do want to make you know it will be interesting to see 10 years from now if Republicans will be even more emboldened by this decision, because really the only option Democrats or, or their allies have at this point to, to limit partisan gerrymandering—again, I— Tempering this a little bit because we don't know the ruling, but you know, really, the the only front that they could fight on is establishing some sort of nonpartisan map drawing process or putting something in the state constitution. Or, neither of which will
0: happen. Or winning more elections. Well, for legislative seats. I. Yes, but and that the, brings us to the legislative map, which appears drawn to help preserve the republican supermajorities although that map had bipartisan support in large part because it also keeps the
1: democratic incumbents safe as well
0: well and 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 to your point about a redistricting commission that idea has been around oh at least two decades maybe longer here and it just it it has never gotten anywhere in a republican legislature um, and you know the issue is: Do you want to? It's 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 like a lot of issues in politics this day, these days. You know the argument about giving more power to so-called experts, elites who aren't elected, versus the people's elected representatives, and. For when somebody introduces a proposal, we can have a two-hour podcast on on a, a nonpartisan redistricting commission and and discuss the arguments for and against it being actually nonpartisan. But um, well, can we
1: can we briefly discuss what I think? And I say this sarcastically,
0: but with a hint of I like sarcasm, by the way.
1: <laughs> no one who's ever met you would be surprised by that. Um, I, I say this sarcastically, but with kind of a, 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 a provocative hint of truth to it, I think. Perhaps the biggest consequence of the ruling the other day is there will not be a lawsuit over the State Board of Education maps, which will have a profound potential impact on education policy in the state of Kansas. And so I sarcastically say that's the biggest ramification but it's a a not inconsiderable
0: that's not a small ramification when you consider the state board of education uh sets academic standards um and is kind of out there overseeing the day-to-day operations of schools it can for example set standards for who can substitute teach um kansas became famous for a about a decade or infamous infamous uh is another way to put it over battles over how evolution should be taught or not infamous is probably the nice way to put it yeah we kansas got a lot of international mockery for (laughs) debates about whether you know evolution should be included in the science standards, whether the state was going to include intelligent design concepts, that sort of thing. And of course, one could easily see a discussion, a pretty heated discussion about, for example, Uh, critical race theory or what people are calling critical race theory, Um, history standards, one could see a really robust debate about what should be taught there. LGBT affirming books. Yes. How to teach abortion. Um, Also, you know, just uh, social and emotional learning. That's another big issue. And that's a really interesting one because Uh, There are some conservatives who don't like social and emotional learning uh, concepts being in the curriculum because uh, you start to ask questions about kids' personal lives and their feelings and what's going on at home, and uh, the critics of that say that's fairly invasive. On the other hand, uh, a lot of educators say there is a lot of value to, for example, teaching kids about being resilient. If you don't get the math question right the first time, you're confused on how to do it. Instead of just giving up, sit there and think and puzzle out and get up and do it again. In Kansas, the
2: State Board of Education has a lot of control. Yes, it's the fourth
0: branch of state government.
2: And they have, when lawmakers have threatened to creep into their area, the... State Board of Education hasn't been shy to threaten legal action.
0: The State Board of Education has what's known as self-executing power, according to a very old Kansas Supreme Court decision. I think it was like 1972, which means the State Board of Education does not need the legislature to spell out what its power is to do stuff. Well, and, and on, on the point of the, the new Board of Ed maps,
1: These maps were explicitly drawn, if you ask Senate President Ty Masterson, to encourage more competitive elections, to specifically bring in more conservative voices. He said that he finds the current composition to be a bit of a monolith. Uh, I would say that while Republicans may hold a majority of the seats on the State Board of Education, they are... Moderate's not the right word, but they come from a very specific, I think, there is line a, of thought about there, public education. Yeah,
0: they are a—the way to describe it is a centrist, slightly left-of-center block, holds a majority on the Board of Education. They are conservatives—they are less conservative than the legislature. They are—the legislature is more skeptical— of what's going on in public education in some places than the board of education is i would say they are more uh, arguably more education establishment oriented than the legislature is and that I, I don't mean that to sound like a criticism we're trying to place them on the political spectrum here versus the legislature so if more conservatives get elected those board meetings could get more interesting and there could be more back and forth fewer unanimous votes um, some more deep discussion of topics like you know again critical race theory sex education uh, history and science standards all of those debates could get more contentious than they are now.
2: On congressional redistricting. Uh, oh, yeah, that. Uh, yes. Uh, so th- there's obviously a lot of national interest in the oh, third yes, district race. Because Democrats hold the slim majority in Congress. And Republicans see Sharice Davids as a big seat that they could potentially They would love win.
0: to get that seat back after Kevin Yoder held it for eight years. Do you think, think that
2: the new map might temper Democrat expectations to try to be able to hold that seat or hurt fundraising abilities there? Like maybe national Democrats would look elsewhere. Well, the race has been moved to a toss up by many of the national prognosticator
0: outfits. I would wonder if that would make, um, if that would cause more money to pour into the district. You know, one of the interesting things that we saw in the 2020 U.S. Senate races on the Democratic side was just this flood of money for Democratic candidates, whether they had a good chance of winning or not. Um, I mean, Barbara Bollier in Kansas, whose race looked to be close most of the contest, and she ended up losing, I think, it by about 11 points. I mean, she had more than $25 million. Um, and that was a pittance compared to some of the Democrats in other states. I mean, for example, a state like South Carolina, where the Democrat was never going to win, I think that guy raised upwards over $50 million. So I I could see... I could see a flood of money uh i you just don't know yeah i think i mean obviously already there's been a lot of television advertising in the governor's race so uh, i think based on what we saw in 2020 you could argue that that millions of dollars in spending both by the candidates and outside groups has come to kansas and it's here to stay
1: well one uh, one quick just addendum uh the Kansas City media market, while probably not expensive in comparison to other states, is the by far the most expensive yes. in 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 the state and and you but know.
0: you know if you're going to Topeka, you can i mean I think you can used to be able to get a cable spot here for like f- forty bucks a pop uh, maybe it's with inflation, it's probably up to a hundred but Jason,
1: I know how we're advertising chill in the state house <laughs> yes. um. Well speaking of chilling in the state house uh, <laughs> I don't
0: know where You're at a loss <laughs>
2: for words man hey, oh, you, you, we have about as many words left as were written in the uh, opinion of
0: the yes, court uh, yes, I morning. think I think we've spoke here for a, a minute for every word in Justice DeGaulle's, uh, the actual text the the thing was the header on the opinion, listing the case, the plaintiffs, the defendants, and the attorneys involved, the the header was like three times as long as the opinion. So obviously more is to come on that. Well, When,
1: when there's more to come, that means we have more fodder for podcasts uh, and to write about in the printed newspaper because, yes, those still exist. If you'd like to read the Topeka Capital Journal, you can go to cjonline.com, or we are on social media, at cjonline, the Topeka Capital Journal on Facebook and Instagram. And Jason, if they want to hear from you, go right to, the, right to the horse's mouth, and I don't mean that pejoratively. Where can they find you?
2: At Jason
0: underscore tid.
1: And I am at Andrew Ball, B-A-H-L john where can they find your work
0: uh on twitter ap jd and www.apnews backslash there we're doing the hand movement always the hand uh kansas yes, yes. after that dot <laughs> com backslash kansas yes that. well
1: if you just google john Hanna you'll probably get
0: there eventually um you might get the the famed uh, New England Patriots guard, though first Hall of Famer. Just make sure to spell "Hannah" with two "n." The correct one way, yes. yes, the yes. correct way, uh, as I like to say. the The New England Patriots guard would disagree with me, but
1: and he might win the fight.
0: I would say so, yeah.
1: If you want to listen to us talk about politics more, uh, you can follow Chilling in the State House" anywhere podcasts are found. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or you can just go to cjonline.com. We post them whenever I can remember to post them. Um, you know, very important. Um, we will be back next week, I think, with well, yeah, some legislative news, maybe. maybe well, not. they
2: certainly have time Monday to do things if they want to. Well, big emphasis on if they want to.
0: If they have the votes. It's always... Uh if Republicans have the votes or think they have the votes, it's always interesting uh, this time of year to try to get everybody back. Well, if they have the
1: votes, we'll have the votes to have a podcast. Yes. How's that? Jason, John, a pleasure as always.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: And we'll see you all next week, same time, same place. Have a good one, y'all.